Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, it's Travis Cronin, and you're listening to Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast. As always, I am joined in my home studio by the loveliest, smartest, most intelligent ladies on the Us Weekly staff. We have Miss formerly baby girl Sarah Huron. Hello, hello. And the lovely Regal and, you know, pretty smoking hot Gwen Flamberg. What's up? Well, hello, Regal. I love that. Gwen's compliments just keep getting better and mine just keep staying the same. I just like to say that. <laughs> okay, I'll try to find something nice about you next week. We'll see. We'll see how much research that takes me. Probably longer than these news topics. But let us move on. This, you know, we're here to take you out of the dumpster fire that may be your 2020 lives and take you into the dumpster fire that is Celebrities 2020 lives. We have, you know, A-listers, pop stars trying to get their music back. We have men's in dresses. We have church cults, some eye patch related makeup uh, incidents, some reunions, some court drama as always, and some celebrities who almost died in a wrestling ring and celebrities who've developed vaccines for America. But before we get into all of these topics, we're going to start with our intentions. And as I always say, we're doing pretty good over here. I feel pretty good about how we're doing. So we are setting intentions for the celebrities that we care about, things we want to see them start doing more of or just stop doing altogether. Gwen Flamberg, who is your intention pada this week? You know, I, I don't think that you guys are going to are going to find this surprising. <laughs> my intention is for Prince Harry. OK, you know, he's been doing a lot of this do gooding all over the place. I would like him to do some some good for his family and also all of Great Britain and the world and just go home for Christmas. See the queen, your grandmother, who, by the way, is about to celebrate her 73rd wedding anniversary with Prince Philip. Can you believe it? No, 73 years. They just released a new picture. They're at Windsor Castle. They're looking at the most adorable card, a homemade card. It's adorable. Prince, Princes George and Louis and Princess Charlotte made. You know, they're just like us. Yes, they, they are. They get homemade cards from their grandchildren. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I just think that that Harry needs to buck up and go do some good for for all of us. And hopefully Prince George just had all of the 90s iconic supermodels and Hannah Montana posted on his court on his card. You know, that'd be very, you know, Prince George. Well, the Prince George that we like to think he is because of Gary. Exactly. Gennetti. Because of Gary Gennetti's Prince George, of course, not the real one. Uh, Sarah Huron, you look like you have an axe to grind this week. Who is your intention for? Don't I always? I mean, first, I just want to make an intention for the people to watch The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City because. Oh, yes, I second that. 
It is so good. There's only been two episodes, but it's just like a pure housewives, silly drama. The stakes are high because we got Mormons, but they're also extremely low because we're fighting over the smell of a hospital. And let me just it's you will not be disappointed. It's the perfect escape right now. And it was filmed pre-corona. So there are no masks in sight, which is just refreshing. It's really um, lovely. I love also that one of them married her step grandfather. Yes. Never forget. I have been trying to find ways to compare that to members to my family. I'm freaking everybody out. I keep texting my cousin, like, imagine if you had married this person and they're they're <laughs> over it. But um, also, so for, that's for the people. After, you know, you leave a five star review for this podcast, go on BravoTV.com and watch Real Housewives. And for um, my celebrity, I would like Harry Hamlin mm. to find Amelia Gray, um, daughter of Harry and Lisa Renna, and tell her that she's not allowed to see Scott Disick anymore. Oh, because uh, that is his biggest Courtney and Scott ship. Yes, I ship Courtney and Scott till the end. And I also am finding it harder and harder to do that if Scott is going to keep dating younger and younger women. I did a whole history of his the women he's been linked to post Courtney and he's getting older and they're staying the same age. And that's it's a problem. All teenagers. It's all teenagers. You know, my intention was also going to be for Scott Disick to stop dating teenagers, just like in general. I know people grow up faster when you're in Hollywood and L.A., but, you know, as Matthew McConaughey said, he keeps getting older, but they keep staying the same age. Right. Yeah, Sophia was 19, I think, when they started dating, and now she's 22 that they broke up, and now Amelia's 19. So it's like, after Amelia, who the hell's next? I don't want to know. So just stop. Well, she's probably not legal yet or out of high school, the next girl, but she's coming. After two years with Amelia, there'll be a new 17 to 19-year-old girl. But maybe if your intention rings true to Scott Disick and, more importantly, to Harry Hamlin, this could all stop now. I hope so. Well, my intention is for Miss Demi Lovato. I always, even though she's, like, really tough to like, I always want the best for her. And she just posted a picture today of her getting an undercut where, you know, she shaved all of the head under her hair, leaving with her with, like, a cool, like, overgrown pixie, just like a young, cool girl haircut. And I, my intention for her is that this is a positive head shave moment, like, when you re-dye your hair after you go through a breakup and not, like, a Britney Travis. 2007. Travis, it... It is. It is. And if you and our listeners want to read all about it, go to usmagazine.com slash stylish because we got the exclusive with her hairstylist. Oh, my God. Great. So this was an empowering cut. Did you see her make fun of her engagement on the People's Choice Awards? Yes, I did. I loved that. Me too. I was hoping she was going to. I barely watched the People's Choice Awards, but the part I did see, I was excited that she addressed it because I thought it would have been really lame if she didn't. Me too. It was actually the best part of the show for me. Let's put these out into the world. I can feel them permeating through the celebrities right now. And let's dive into some news. I I have to start with this one. It is a huge story this week and ongoing for years now, starring Miss Taylor Swift versus now infamous villain Scooter Braun. <laughs> Scooter Braun, if you're not familiar with him, well, good. But he is also a celebrity manager, uh, Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber. He was just Justin Bieber forever. And now he's with Demi Lovato. And 
And so it all started when Taylor left her original record company, Big Machine Records, and then Scooter Braun bought up the whole company, which means he's in control of most of her work, all of the early stuff. So then November 16th of this year, Scooter sold all the master rights to Taylor's first six albums in a deal worth $300 million. Taylor said in a statement that she was still, you know, no one talked to her. No one asked her about this or asked her if she wanted to buy her own music. So she is currently in the process of re-recording her first six albums. Taylor Swift hater and then come around fan Sarah Huron. What are your thoughts? You must feel bad for her. I mean, listen, anyone who's listened to this podcast for the last what year or two knows that I have a love-hate relationship with Taylor Swift. We've come so far I used to be a super fan. Then I fell off. Um, Folklore brought me back in. And this whole drama from the beginning has been so interesting to me because it is a business deal to some extent. And I feel like maybe it could have been handled better. And obviously she was pissed that Scooter brought big, bought Big Machine. But at the same time, like he did, and it's his right to, and you can be mad at your record company for betraying you and selling it to someone who you hate, but like it's not technically his fault. However, with all these new developments and these accusations of her saying that his team wanted to sign her to sign some like crazy NDA about how she couldn't say anything about him and trying to silence her. And I mean, her, her team is saying that they tried to now, after they got over the initial shock and betrayal of it all, which I thought was a little dramatic, they tried to buy the, and negotiate with Scooter's team and they wouldn't let them until she signed this crazy NDA, which like no one makes you sign an NDA unless you have something to hide here. It doesn't make sense. So now, yeah, I mean, Scooter, just give her her goddamn music back. She's going to pay you probably millions of dollars for it. This is stupid. Like he, I don't trust him. That's what's really, really messed up about it is that we know Taylor Swift would fork over those hundreds of millions of dollars to all these rights, but Scooter chose to sell it to a a private equity firm. And it's sort of a trend right now of Wall Street equity firms buying up people's masters to then sell them for commercials, movies or whatever. But he did it so shady where he didn't want his name on the sale as still profiting from her music after it was bought by the equity firm. So when Taylor found out that Scooter was still getting money from it, he tried to hide that from her at first. He had that in an NDA that the company could never tell Taylor that he was profiting off of it. I mean, shady, shady, shady. Right. And it's a whole nother different debate on like whether you should be able to sell an artist's music without their permission. Like probably not. But that's something that the music industry needs to figure out like amongst itself because this is like a business deal. But like she did sign that contract even if she's young, whatever. Like there's no getting around that. Like I don't think they should just hand it over to her. That's a flaw within the music system. But everything that's come out in these last couple of months, it's just like it seems like he is now going out of his way to just be like you know a total not, dick. A, not accommodating yeah just be an asshole kind of and it, i don't know that whole thing with his wife and the feud like i i just want to know how like ariana grande feels about this because i feel like <sighs> she's been able to stay neutral and i want to know like the tea me too. I really want to know Ariana Grande's permission on this. Oh, side note, really excited that Ariana Grande has recently signed up for Mariah Carey's um, Christmas special because, of course, they had a huge feud. Ariana Grande, before she released any music, has an amazing cover of Mariah Carey's Emotions where she does the whistle tone perfectly. And then someone called her the new Mariah. Nick Cannon said this in a radio interview and it pissed Mariah off so bad. So the two have like hated each other. Ariana Grande said some shady things things um but now they're coming back together so you know ariana seems like a good place to learn and grow and hopefully get away from scooter all right gwen why don't you take us to some happy news about men in dresses no not drag queens just harry styles on the cover of vogue and you know all the flack he got for it 
It's pretty crazy what's been going on, but there was nothing crazy about that cover, Travis. Harry Styles covers Vogue in a custom Gucci gown designed for him by Alessandro Michele, of course. He looked phenomenal. And then Candace Owens, who is a conservative author and commentator, she tweeted, there is no society that can survive without strong men. The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It's an outright attack. Bring back manly men. Now, before Mm -hmm. I go into the backlash that thus ensued, first of all, what is she talking about? The East knows this. Have you been to South Korea? Men wear makeup and handbags. How yeah, I do. Obviously. But, you know, here's the thing. Obviously, at this moment in time, everybody believes or everybody who's not an idiot, Kansas Owens, believes that people should be able to inclusively represent themselves, um, express themselves however they like. And many, many celebrities came forward to defend Harry and to defend Vogue and also Harry's mom. Yeah. Spoke out to say that Harry always loved to dress up. He loved a fancy dress moment. His mother encouraged his sense of expression through fashion and music and anything from when he was a tiny little tot who must mm-hmm. have been really adorable. I do too. I mean, if a man's wearing a dress and it makes you uncomfortable, it says a lot more about you, That's Candace. a personal problem. Yeah. Um, also, why are we acting like Harry Styles is the first guy to wear a dress? If you read the story, Brad you also Pitt. know that you, you know that he's talking about like Prince and, and all these other artists who he has admired and is now kind of, you know, emulating and stuff it doesn't even make sense and i just like i'll never understand people getting upset about something that just doesn't affect their lives like there's nothing that magazine cover has no effect on your life that magazine cover was astounding and groundbreaking because Mm -hmm. harry styles was actually the first solo male to appear on a vogue cover and i just loved the history and fabulosity of that moment Right. I don't mean it as like it has no effect. I didn't mean it like that. I just mean if like you don't want to celebrate fashion or like men and like then, OK, don't like it. Like, just keep it to yours. Like, I just don't understand the need That's to get involved crazy. in this discussion. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was a hot mess. Harry, you look beautiful. Don your pearls. Don that gown. Yeah, also, by all. the way, Harry Styles is absolutely gorgeous no matter <laughs> what he's wearing. And that's just a fact. So, <laughs> Yeah, Candace, calm down, girl. Just look at that majestic face and, you know, slow your roll, girl. Well, let's talk about our current favorite cult. You know, we talk about cults a a lot here on the Us Weekly Hot Hollywood podcast because it's a very Hollywood thing. But, of course, we are talking about Christian Church, um, Hillsong. There have been some new revelations this week. We talked about it um, the last two weeks. Carl Lentz, who was the head main pastor of the church, Justin Bieber's best friend, father figure, who the hell knows, rehab coach, um, was fired from his post, asked to step down because of moral failures when he had an affair on his wife of 17 years, Laura. So they were just photographed this week after they sold their New Jersey mansion, which Justin Bieber lived in for a hot second, and relocated to California um, and were spotted going out to dinner with their kids and like putting up a united front. And in the new issue of Us Weekly, we have some testimonials from former Hillsong members who say that Carl is sort of a product of what the church has become, which is celebrity obsessed, social media follower obsessed. Uh, They require, well, they really 
really, really ask you to give them 10% of all of your earnings and your money. You have to pay for seats towards the front. You have to pay to go on all of these long excursions to move up to the church. And it really just don't, it don't seem right. Any thoughts, Sarah, on the, you know, what Carl is up to in the Hillsong drama? I mean, listen, I you're think... only thinking about Kourtney Kardashian right now, aren't you? No, I mean, yeah, I know she's like definitely up in there. Uh, celebrities and churches have been confusing and fascinating to me for a while. Um, I think it's interesting that now Hillsong has, you know, sounds a little Scientology ish with paying for certain things, whereas, you know, I don't know a lot about the Lord, but I thought his love was free. Um, and I'm very interested to see if Carl Lenz kind of fades away or if he still stays like in this A-list circle, you know, that's more where I'm interested. Me too. It just doesn't, it seems like the way the church is set up, they are not really allowing their people to worship for free. And it's sort of set up like a business and it's just really not the way Christianity seemed to intend this church to go. Well, Gwen, speaking of things that, you know, didn't go as intended, please tell me why Kelly Osborne is wearing an eye patch on all of her dinners out with TikTok stars. Yeah, why is she hanging out with TikTok stars also? If you know the answer to that, please enlighten me. <laughs> I find it sort of interesting. I agree. But, you know, all of this happened due to a glam accident. Can you believe it? So, you know, she tweeted, when your makeup artist says, don't move, don't move, don't move at all, the 36-year-old shared on her Instagram stories on Monday, covering one eye with her hand. So basically, her makeup artist stabbed her in the eyeball with a oh. mascara, which, you know, can happen. The makeup artist tried to take responsibility for it. But of course, Kelly said, you know, it was my fault. It really was my fault. I moved right into it. I really hope I get an eye patch because that would be a effing look so you know she's just sort of she's she's rocking that she's rocking that look and uh you know she said the only good thing about this is that it does look like i could maybe poison you and kick the shit out of you just by looking at you so i mean i sort know, of like the eye patch on her a little bit <laughs> I think it's a kind of cool accessory you know yeah yeah, I've got you know, your eyeball heels. It should. It really should. You know, just scratch the surface a little bit. I, yeah. I think she's going to get Has that ever happened to you, Gwen? That sounds terrifying. It, it, you know, it's never happened to me because I have excellent hand-eye coordination, Sarah Heron, when I apply my mascara. I have occasionally gotten a bit of mascara on my eyeball. And yeah. I always out a little bit but you know i know oh. things i know how to fix these things oh god when you can see that black like dot on your eyeball from that one piece of mascara it. you can you feel, feel it. it yeah it's like the tiniest little microscopic speck but it feels like a boulder is in your eye oh yeah no i do pass. Hate that. <laughs> pass um well you know i have no no way to interlude this so i'm just gonna say speaking of gray's anatomy um <laughs> Smoothest transition in hot Hollywood history. Sarah Huron, there was a gigantic moment for Grey's fans out there, which is, you know, a lot of the general public of this country. Tell us what went down. I mean, I was one of the people sitting on my couch watching the two hour season 17 premiere of Grey's Anatomy because I'm no quitter and I still watch that show. Um, pretty tipsy at this point because it's towards the end of the night and during Shonda shows, you know, you got to knock back a few to get get all the emotions running. And mm -hmm. next thing I know, Meredith Gray is sitting on a beach after passing out 
from a two out like two week long coronavirus shift at the hospital passes out in the parking lot she she drifts off to a beach and freaking mcdreamy patrick dempsey himself is on the other side of the beach yelling meredith meredith and she's like derek and they're like i miss you and i'm like screaming on my couch i mean i I'm like you, Sarah Heron. I did give up. I gave up seasons ago, but I was such a stan the beginning, the first like three to four seasons. I would have died had I been watching this episode. So you were duly rewarded. Thank you. And it was I was live. I had no idea. There were no spoilers out there. Um, and I don't always watch live just because, you know, there's a lot of TV on on Thursday nights. But I we, it was the premiere. So I was watching it live and I'm so happy I did because that moment it was just I was so I was just so mind blown mostly because i didn't think patrick dempsey would have done it so at first right. i thought it was like a stunt double like just someone with hair and they were gonna like a hologram yeah like yeah like a rob kardashian hologram um robert but then they zoomed in and it was definitely patrick dempsey and ellen pompeo revealed that it was her idea um the showrunner was like i think we're gonna have meredith have corona and have these crazy dreams because she had read something about having crazy dreams when you have coronavirus and she was like maybe she can get some visitors from some old you know co-stars that have you know, passed in the show. And she was thinking more Meredith's mom, who we've seen before, Alice and Dream several times. And Alan Pompeo was like, let's get Patrick. And I think the showrunner was like, is that an option? Like she was I like, I didn't think we could do that. <laughs> yeah. And then Alan Pompeo called him. They went on a hike. They talked for the first time in five years since he left the show. Like, you know, put any whatever behind them. And then they filmed this amazing scene and he's going to be in um, more episodes. They didn't say how many and like i think he filmed like four scenes total so we're gonna see him pop up and then i think we're gonna see other people pop up too so i'm so excited that's still so cool i don't even i'm not a Grey's anatomy fan and even i love that mcdreamy is back it like still fills my heart even though i've never seen an episode of the show and so it's like it's we're, we're acting like it's 2007 already because we got meredith and mcdreamy back together i mean he left the show in like 2010 but still or 2015 sorry mm-hmm. um so it's been five years but then we have isaiah washington bring up this old Catherine heigl drama on twitter from things that happened during season three of the show. So like, yep. I tweeted this the other day. I'm like, Castle of Grey's Anatomy just hates 2020, that they're just like pretending it's the past. <laughs> well, thank God for that, Grey's Anatomy. They really gave us something that we all needed. And watching Sarah's Instagram story and many of my other friends blow up, it seemed like it really made a big difference in people's lives. Yeah, and that was the point. Patrick Dempsey and Alan Pompeo were like, if we can make people happy in this horrible year, like why, who are we to stand in the way of that? And I was like, you're so right. And thank you so much. Well, we have to move on to some sad news. Naya Rivera, four months ago, uh, drowned in a boat that she rented along with her young son um, in Lake Peru. She died in July after her and Josie rented a pontoon and went out. The two decided to jump in the water for a swim and they did not make it back because well, Josie of weather. Did. Well, yes. Oh, sorry. Josie. <laughs> you yes. made it seem like Josie was dead. Uh, no, no. I, no. <laughs> okay. So her, Naya and Josie uh, went for a jump in the water for a swim and only Josie came back. Naya, sadly, was found two days later. And the five father. Days. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Naya was found five days later. And <laughs> thanks to the Sarah, Naya was found five days later. And now her baby daddy is filing a wrongful death suit against the pontoon company, saying that there was not adequate rope, no anchor, radio, or security mechanisms to prevent swimmers from being separated from the watercraft. And it sort of sounds like if there was none of that stuff on the boat, that he really might have a, qu- a case. 
Gwen, your thoughts? Everything that we heard about that case when it happened pointed to some sort of negligence on on the part of yeah. the, the boating company or the park that um, rents out the boats. So it does sound to me like he has a case. I never really understand, though, like, just let it lie. Like, why do you want to stir up all of this stuff? The only thing I'll say to that is because when he's suing the the sheriff, the um, county, the boat and um, like the parks and rec department, which yeah. I think the reason for that is, you know, they're saying there were no signs of things. They were saying that the, the you know, lake should have been closed that day because of winds. There's a lot of different factors. And that's, you know, to prevent hopefully this from not happening again. So as painful as it probably is for him yeah. to he filed her ex-husband filed mm-hmm. it on behalf of I don't know if it's her husband or I don't remember. Baby um, daddy, on behalf, they're not married. On behalf of the five year old son. Right. I think they were married. Actually, no, they did get married because yeah. she's one of those crazy people that kept her wedding date and married a guy who looks exactly the same as her broken fiance. Yeah, she was. She married him, and they they got divorced. They were divorced by when this happened. But he filed the suit on behalf of Josie, and I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but hopefully, it'll make at least this lake maybe make some changes. Yeah, I'm glad that he's like doing it for the right reasons. Um, speaking of people, we're trying to figure out doing things for the right reasons. Sarah, let's talk about Megan Kid Edmonds and. And her drama with COVID. We have been seeing her battle her ex-husband, Jim, first Jim Edmonds, for so long now. And they were talking about Corona and threesomes and the kids. And now tell us what's going on. I know, ironically. So Jim had coronavirus back in April, and that was when him and Megan were are still in the middle, and they still are in the middle of their custody battle. They've been um, separated for a full year now, but they're still fighting. Oh, they have three kids, um, a three-year-old daughter and two-year-old twins. And they've been fighting ever since. Um, you know, a lot of accusations of infidelity yep. and all that. But um, Megan just announced that now she has coronavirus and he, his rep went to TMZ and accused Megan of acting irresponsibly. And then Jim's daughter, Haley, who mm-hmm. Hossers of Orange County fans will remember, was on the show. Um, she was one of her Megan storylines was like being a stepmother. And Haley was the daughter who was living with them. Who did not like her. At yeah, all. did not like her from day one. <laughs> and she went on Instagram and said, I have a question for you. And like tagged Megan's Instagram and said, I'm glad you can quarantine easily by yourself after exposing me, my dad, Courtney, Jim's girlfriend, our nanny. And Haley and my sibling, yeah, no, stop. (laughs) Landon Sutton, their home, brother and stepfather. Oh, and your own kids. But if you knew you were exposed on Tuesday, when you're, what is your reasoning for insisting on taking Hayes to soccer, his soccer game, and coming to our house on Saturday? And just like going back and forth. And of course, Megan released a statement saying, I will not comment on the ridiculous blasphemy by others. I am focused on my health and encourage everyone to stay safe blasphemy you know i want i want to say i want them to stop fighting but you know it gives us something to talk about and it's super interesting and i sort of like the pettiness that's involved so i so i'm I'm, my intention is now a second one to keep it up i know it's like these kids are still pretty young so i feel like it's safe for this but like both ways i've never wondered megan king edmonds was always one to like write a lengthy blog post about her marital problems jim is always one to go on instagram or have a rep statement or whatever so they both make it public and then they both bash the other one for making it public so i think that they're just in this toxic circle and i mean i don't know megan king edmonds like maybe you shouldn't have gone to the soccer game if you thought you were exposed to coronavirus 
just throwing that out there. You know, absolutely. Well, speaking of couples who did not make it, Gwen, I know this one tugged at your heartstrings for so long because they seemed so cute. Um, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis have sadly broken up after being together for so long. I mean, it is a shocker, Trav. And it sounds like the oldest cliche ever, but Olivia and Jason really did just grow apart, according to our sources. The source tells us They've been separated for months now, and there really is no drama. They're handling this like adults. It's all about co-parenting their kids, Daisy and Otis. That's the priority for them. No one expects any big money grab or custody battle. Olivia has a very promising directing and producing career, and Jason has films lined up. Of course, there were arguments and fights over career decisions and where to live. Like most couples, they had disagreements. They were bi-coastal, but Jason loved living in New York. And Olivia, who was born in NYC, was leaning towards L.A. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sad, Trav, but this happens. It's kind of interesting to me that they just had like this extended engagement, right? Like they never actually tied the knot. Years and years, yeah. And the other thing is that, you know, she was like a movie star when they got together and he was a guy on SNL. Like, yeah, I think that there are always inherent issues in relationships where the woman is a bit more powerful than the man. Yep. Well, especially when they got together, she was like on house and she was more of like a TV. And I feel like now she's like director, yeah. movie star, like she's her star has kind of risen and obviously his has too, but I feel like she's kind of a big deal these days. It was just tough because they're both such like intelligent, well-spoken, put out amazing, I don't even want to call it content, but, you know, pieces of art, these celebs, and they were just so cool. And I'm glad that there's not going to be a money grab and they seem to be, unlike Megan and Jim Edmonds, yeah. uh, you know, being adults through this whole thing. So it makes it makes the burn a little less. I always sort of compare them, and maybe that's my bad, but I always sort of compare them to um, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Like, they oh, seem yeah. like the same kind of couple to me. And it just sort of bums me out that, like, they they couldn't make it work, especially because, you know, it just always hits me, like, during 2020, when this couple just, like, they couldn't make it through the pandemic. They couldn't sit with themselves yeah. in one place, you know, together for a long time. It's it's super sad. But you know, Jason Sudeikis, I remember when he was on the prowl before he settled down with yes. her. He was one of those guys who every hot older lady in Hollywood playing mm-hmm. with Cameron Diaz, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. So, you know, I think that he's got a little something. That will uh, keep him popular with the ladies. I agree, though, Gwen. They were they are kind of like an Emily Blunt and a John Krasinski. And I would be really sad if they broke up because they're just it's just like good people involved on both sides. Like every it's just a couple people can get behind. So it's always sad when one of those we lose one of those other couples. It's like, oh, I saw that coming or he was too good for her. She was too good for him. Not a shock. But sometimes like one just is like, oh. Kind of sad. Channing yeah. Tatum and Jenna Dwan were like that for me. Like, there's a few where it's yeah. like, eh, I kind of just figured they'd be together. Yeah. Yeah. And but like Gwen said, he attracts like the hottest, most famous women in the world because he's so smart and funny. So he'll be yeah. all right. And I, my personal theory is that I think he's 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 got a little something else. Oh, you think he's packing downstairs for the ladies? I think he's packing and also knows knows what to do with the luggage, you know? Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> great. Bag. Mm, I mean, it's the only explanation. 
the carry-on and the extra item for above. Great. Good for you, Jason. Well, we are going to talk about a celeb we haven't talked about in this podcast for a while, uh, Mr. David Arquette. Usually we talk about uh, David's more famous sisters. Um, Sadly, Alexis passed and Patricia, of course. But David Arquette um, has a new documentary about his deathmatch wrestling. So two years ago, I remember reporting on this story. David Arquette faced off against against an ex-con named Nick Gage in a deathmatch, which is, if you're not familiar, which hopefully most of you are because you're listening to the last weekly hot hollywood podcast is the most hardcore style of wrestling where wrestlers swing chairs baseball bats the like and david arquette was seriously hurt when he got hit by a chair and he had blood gushing out of his neck he tried to get up and pin gauge but he couldn't he was holding his neck holding the blood in and he recently told an outlet that this match nearly cost him his life i was in over my head i was about a half an inch from death and he decided to go back in the ring after fellow pro wrestle after fellow pro wrestler jack perry who is the son of the late Luke Perry assured him that he was not going to die and that Luke Perry's son, Jack Perry was the one who took him to the hospital. And now this is all coming out in this new documentary. It's wild. Any thoughts on this blood gushing death match, ladies? I mean, I love Luke Perry, so that's <laughs> cool, but I don't really care about David Arquette's wrestling. Um, maybe he would like to be a judge one time on Celebrity Birthday Boxing Mania. <gasps> oh, that would be great. Oh. Okay, here's this new documentary. We'll get him for next week. As you guys know, my co-hosts do many other things other than this job, as we all do. Um, but I you wish know, this was we, my full-time job. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be so great? Daily um, episodes? No, just every daily episode. We just like talk shit about celebrities. It's great. No, um, we all do a lot of other different things. And my co-hosts, you know, try to usurp me as stage coups all the time to promote their own products. So we carved out this little section for Sarah Huron to talk about here for the right reason and Gwen Flamberg to tell us about about usmagazine.com slash stylish. Sarah Huron, the Bachelorette took a different turn. There's some new buzzwords. There's some new douchebags. What be going on? Right. As always, you can get your full recap on Us Weekly's Here for the Right Reasons podcast. We had a great episode this week. I just week. said that, Sarah. I'm just re- reiterating it. You, you know, sometimes you mumble. Here for the Right Reasons, <laughs> Us Weekly Bachelor podcast. Um, we had a great episode this week with Katie Morton, who was on Tasha's season with her, Colton and Paradise. So she knows her. So that's always interesting to get that insight. Yeah, this week we had the grown-ass man challenge. So it was all about mm-hmm. how Tasha wants a man and not a boy. We had a lot of questions about who was there for the right reasons um spoiler alert none of them are nobody yeah yeah um i fell you in could love tell with by the ben. way they cast that show that none of them were going to be there for the right reasons but then it comes to the question of what even is the right reason in 2020 bachelor like the love story is is sadly kind of the bonus now like if you do have a connection with the person mm. that's great and you shouldn't you know be there you shouldn't be closed off to it but you really you just be open to the experience. Don't be too thirsty. Have a few reasons why you like the person that aren't just about their body and you should have smooth sailing. 
her body is really amazing and it's oh. one of the reasons I really love her. That can totally be one of them. The big debate this week was whether being some calling someone a smoke show was a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a great thing as long as there are things you like about them besides their physical attributes. That was the whole problem with Jason. They were like, all you do is compare. You say you say the same things about Claire and Tasha. So why do you like one and not the other? And he was like, well, Tasha's a smoke show. And it's like, dude, they're questioning you. Maybe come up with one thing that wasn't about her looks to try to shut them up. Like no one can back you up here, you know? Yeah, I do. I'm telling a group of like young, fame-hungry guys to be interested in a woman for anything but their looks sounds like a really tough job for ABC Bachelor producers. Um, Gwen Flamberg, tell us what happened in the world of celebrity fashion beauty that you were into this week. Well, Trav, yeah. there have been two phenomenal red carpet events, the People's Choice Awards and the Country Music Awards. And of oh. course, Us Weekly has all of the hottest red carpet looks from both events, go to usmagazine.com slash stylish to see every hot look, including Demi Lovato hosting the People's Choice Awards with her like mega, mega, mega long hair. Mm-hmm. And then changed into a blonde wig. We've got both looks, of course. I also really love a post that we have up right now, which has a video interview with Us Weekly's own Christina Garibaldi and Elizabeth Holmes, who is the author of the new, very juicy book, HRH, so many thoughts on royal style. Mm. Holmes tells us how Kate Middleton had to up her style game when Meghan Markle came along. It's something we long opined on. We've got galleries dedicated to how Kate Middleton's style changed when Harry started dating Meghan and then marrying her. But this video interview is like extraordinarily juicy. So I encourage you guys to go check it out on usmagazine.com slash stylish. Love. That's my favorite part about the Royals. I actually really will check that out. Um, speaking of people with amazing style are, you know, always and forever queen, Miss Dolly Parton oh. has, you know, truly, I was obsessed with her podcast, um, her PBS podcast, Dolly Parton Heals America. She did a podcast? Yeah, she did a podcast with NPR. And it's because um, the son of her hand surgeon... As Dolly went in for hand surgery and this guy's son was a PBS podcaster and just went into her doctor's appointments. And then she said, OK, this podcast, this amazing thing. So Dolly, he's a longtime friend of her, longtime friend of hers. Her surgeon was at Vanderbilt University Medical Center and Dolly Parton gifted Vanderbilt a million dollars to help the battle against COVID-19. And now she has like really almost like self-funded most of this research and they now have like a plausible. Yes, Dolly had um, funded Moderna like unknowingly and now Moderna has also created vaccines. So basically Dolly Parton truly is saving America and humanity. She is. She is. I respect for my queen. Seriously, I watched the Dolly Parton documentary on Netflix last night. It was so good. She has a holiday special coming out. I mean, she really is a gift that we do not deserve. She's not just Miley Cyrus's godmother. She's all of our godmothers. No, but that was like a huge break back in her career. She like didn't have anything going on. And then Miley brought her back in the spotlight. And here she is decking the halls and with 
all that she's got, the wigs, the boobs, the songs, a lover. Sabbath. Dolly has always been in the spotlight, but Miley did make her... Um, a new generation of fans, I think. An icon for a new generation of fans. Well, in her documentary, they were talking how from uh, 1999 to like 2004, she was doing nothing except for releasing bluegrass music that was not selling. And she was playing tiny little bar shows until she got a new manager and he got her out there. They released an album and then she was on Hannah Montana and now she's like all up in America again. Well, how about that she created Dollywood, perhaps the best theme park to exist anywhere in all the land. And when <laughs> I am vaccinated, possibly yes. in the Moderna vaccine, my first stop post-quarantine is going to be Dollywood so I can pay homage to the queen. Yes. And right when you walk in there, there is a hologram of Dolly that welcomes you. She was a big uh, pioneer in the hologram technology at Dollywood. All right. And then before we get to some games, let's talk about a notorious uh, supermodel feud that is still going on. Uh, I'm talking about Naomi Campbell versus Tyra Banks. (laughs) They have had a feud for decades now. Naomi Campbell was on the Tyra show and Tyra was sort of being like, you were mean to me. And Naomi was just sort of like glaring at her. Do you even know Gianni Versace? They hate each other forever. And yesterday, Naomi Campbell added to her Instagram stories a new article from The Things titled, Here's Why Fans Are Starting to Think Tyra Banks is the Real Mean Girl, Not Naomi Campbell. And in this article, they were talking about how we... We talked about how on TikTok it blew up that Tyra Banks was actually horrible to like really, really non-forward thinking, horrible bullying to all the girls in America's Next Top Model and how she was actually the mean girl. And Naomi Campbell just sort of, you know, retweeted that story. And the standout one, the standout line that she took away is the woe is me Tyra narrative has definitely worn off with all of these accusations. Sarah, I know you love the America's Next Top Model, how horrible Tyra is to her (laughs) models TikToks. What are your thoughts on Naomi versus Tyra? Um, You know, I think it's kind of funny that now she's like seeing these because it's like a little delayed. And now Tyra's (laughs) like her new thing is this dancing with the stars like do people some people are liking her some people are hating her it's definitely been an interesting switch to the show but um yeah i mean i think those clips from america's next top model speak for themselves um it was definitely partly of the time i think naomi is a diva in her own right so these two are never gonna get along I know. And I, I really, Tyra's like so growing on me the last couple months because while we didn't have any red carpets, she would still show up to Dancing with the Stars every single week doing a red carpet and like well, she acts like fashion. it's the Tyra show. She does act like it's a Tyra show, but that's sort of her brand is asking like everything is the Tyra show. I think she's great, but just this show is not supposed to be about the host. Like it was a weird, it's a weird show to like have a tone switch like that. But I'm, I'm very interested to see if, I mean, she's a producer now too. So I'm very interested to see if they keep her around. Yes, she is. All right. Well, before we take it to the boxing match, we are going to play another game of Loose Talk where we go into the magazine. There are five this week. They're pretty funny, uh, you know, quotes from celebrities this week. And our co-hosts are going to see to put their celebrity knowledge to the test and see if they can guess who said all of this. All right. Number one, I was the guy that if some kid popped up and started crying, I'd be like, are you effing kidding me? And now suddenly I'm the guy with a kid on starting a family. Oh, um, 
who had a kid recently. I. Uh, it's not that recent. He had twins, and his wife is a amazing icon with her own job. And he, uh, the story was recently. He just confirmed the National Enquirer story from a few years ago that he gifted fourteen of his friends one million dollars in fourteen different briefcases in cash. Do you I got nothing. Gwen, do you know what celebrity gifted 14 of his closest friends $1 million in cash? Sean Mendes. <laughs> no, it is George Clooney. Oh, <laughs> duh. Like $1 million in, in Casamigos. No, he so he signed on to do Gravity with Sandra Bullock, and they did not think the film was going to make any money. So he instead, in lieu of a salary, he would take royalties on the movie he thought was going to be not famous. The movie turned out to be a gigantic box office hit. And he's like, my friends, you know, brought me here. So he went to a, quote, undisclosed warehouse in downtown Los Angeles where they keep mountains of cash and just filled 14 to me briefcases up with a million dollars of cash and had all of his friends over for a dinner party. And gifted it to them at dessert. Amazing. All right. We have number two. I got into painting, photography, meditation, and tested the limits of Postmates Unlimited. Also, I got engaged. Demi Lovato. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Here oh, on. In her okay. monologue at the People's Choice Awards. That is it. Okay. Um, Next one. I'm quite sure that if it weren't for Goldie, I'd probably weigh 300 pounds by now. Goldie's a beast. Kurt Russell? Oh, yes. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, that is Kurt Russell, her husband. Hudson. Like, I was kind of like, it's got to be. I thought it might be a trick question, and it couldn't be Kurt Russell, but it was. (laughs) The kid Hudson was a good guess. All right. And the last one, there are probably some things I would not be doing because Michelle would leave me. Rock a book. Yes. book, A Promised Land. That is it. The number one bestseller from uh, any former president in the history of the world. Great. That went way better than last time, guys. Thanks. <laughs> All right. And now, do you know what it's time for? Oh, uh, we're going to hit some people. It's Celebrity Birthday Boxing Mania. <laughs> Yes, we are back in the imaginary celebrity boxing ring that we have staged in our own little Zoom rooms here on the podcast. The first one up is uh, for you, Sarah Huron. It is RuPaul, who turns 60 this week, versus Scarlett Johansson, who turns 36 this week. Tough. Wow. Black Widow versus RuPaul. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know. Let's give it to RuPaul. Okay, good. RuPaul's 60. Let's let's give it to him. Ding, ding, ding. Congratulations, RuPaul. Okay, our next battle, Gwen. It yep. is Snooky, who turns 33 this week, mm-hmm. against Miley Cyrus, who turns 28 this week. I mean, Travis, these are death matches. I don't even know. Yes. Yes, they are. Really tough, because Snooky, she is scrappy. However, I'm sure she had one too many, and Miles is not her right now. <laughs> okay. Ellie Snooki can't be up. tamed. She cannot be tamed. All right, Sarah Huron, we have Katherine Heigl, who turns 42 this week, versus Sarah Hyland, who turns the dirty 30. Oh, my God. I mean, poor Katherine Heigl just can't catch a break with still getting shit on from Grey's Anatomy from a decade ago on the week of her birthday. Yes. Um, 
I'll give it to her. Sorry, Sarah Highland. Oh, Let's go Catherine, Heigl. Catherine Heigl can have something. Yeah. Okay. And then Gwen, we have former Dancing with the Stars judge Bruno Tono. Bruno Tonioli. Bruno Tonioli is sixty-five this week versus is? Tina. Yes, yeah, sixty-five this week, and then versus Tina Turner, who is eighty-one this week. I mean, is this even a contest? No. Anybody, forget forget about Bruno, who, you know, I respect Bruno and I respect his very strong opinions. His opinions are strong, yeah. but you're no match for the strength of Tina Turner's legs. She would just do one of those wrestling moves where she would get his neck in between <sighs> her very strong calves and mm-hmm. just he would snap like a twig. Yep, that's a very uh, Black Widow move. All right, Sarah Huron, we have a uh, new matchup now versus RuPaul, 60, and Miley Cyrus, 28. Mm. Oh, well, they would obviously just hug it out. Those two are not fighting. They are okay, like one, good. I feel like. All right, that's bad. That's nice. Well, then we have Gwen, Katherine Heigl against Tina Turner. I mean, Katherine Heigl, she's she's lean and mean, but Tina Turner at 80 or 85? 81. 81, she would just, she would knock her blonde hair right down to the mat. <laughs> She definitely would. And then in the three-way battle at the end, I'm going to go with Sarah Huron. So Tina Turner, Miley Cyrus, and RuPaul just have a lovely trio moment and just sing and dance, wing, wigs, glitter. They hook line right on out of there. I'm sorry, Sarah Huron, but I'm jumping in here because there's no, no other ending. I agree. They kick line right out of there. Well, thank you guys for joining us this week on Us Weekly's Hot Hollywood Podcast. Do not forget to give us five stars. We deserve them, no less. And tell your friends, family members, those you won't see Thanksgiving. Maybe you could all just listen to the Us Weekly Hot Hollywood Podcast together over dinner. Wouldn't that be nice? We will be here next week with all of the latest celebrity news that you need in your life. And we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.